Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. The NAACP has been on the front lines of the fight for racial justice and equity since it was formed nearly 115 years ago. Those battles have become increasingly tech-driven in recent years, a trend that will only grow as we enter the AI era. We cannot fight the same battles from 1960 without understanding the innovation and the evolution of what's taking place in society today. That's Derek Johnson, the NAACP's president and CEO. He's made AI a cornerstone of the organization's advocacy. Just this week, he participated in one of several AI forums the Senate is hosting, gatherings designed to educate lawmakers about the technology's risks and how to regulate them. Let's be clear, over the last 40 years, uh, technology companies have demonstrated that they are not able to course-correct market behavior. Uh, Too much of what they do is driven by profit margins, and very little of it is about people. And so without an intervening entity like the federal government and local governments with guardrails in place to to protect individuals, I'd have little confidence that corporations uh, will put the necessary guardrails in place. On the show today, Derek Johnson tells me what the NAACP wants from Washington on AI. You know, recently, the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation had its annual legislative week, uh, which, for those who don't know, puts sort of a, a spotlight on the the impact of policy on on Black communities specifically. And I was reading that the NAACP identified five policy priorities for for that week, one of which was AI and the and the use of AI. Why is this issue so important to to you and your organization? Well, AI is important in terms of innovation in this country leads in innovation, but also AI could cause massive disruption in everyday lives where it could pro- provide convenience. It all also could displace workers. It could further concentrate wealth uh, in one community and not allow opportunity for other communities. Uh, the inherent bias in data sets could be used to, to target African Americans, preventing a quality of life. And you think about our democracy and what social media platforms have done in terms of mis- and disinformation. We want to make sure AI uh, is not used to further mis- and disinformation to undermine democracy uh, really allow for the germination and growth of hate speech, causing harm not only to the African American community but to the general American public. And how much are you talking about AI these days? You know, I, I, obviously, all of us seem to be talking about it a lot. I just wonder, in your you know your particular advocacy space, how much um, time is this sort of taking up for you? Well, just like climate justice is taking up significant time. We cannot fight the same battles from 1960 without understanding the innovation and the evolution of what's taking place in society today. The evolution of climate justice and pollutions and the health concerns, that's a reality that people may not have been thinking about in the 1960s. Uh, the innovation that's taking place and that has far exceeded anyone's expectations uh, is a real critical juncture in terms of the nature of work, the future of work, and how people will be uh, impacted as a result. An African-American community is a part of the greater society, but there are some distinct issues that we must concentrate on around equity, access, and opportunity. 
I want to elaborate on that because, you know, I know some of the issues that with AI that you've raised concerned about are things like biometric indicators, you know, being used in lending algorithms, you know, untested AI being used in law enforcement, and and obviously things like equitable access to capital and, and finance, things like equal equal justice have long been mainstays of, of the NAACP's priorities. And now you're looking at those things with a more technological lens, especially with AI. You know, what, what exactly do you want to see the government do when it comes to, to these things? Well, there must be guardrails put in place by the federal government. It is important for us to have regulations because if it is completely market-driven, we know what that means, that profits will be placed above people. Policymakers' number one priority should be to serve their constituency base and people to ensure any technology is not created in a way in which could undermine the quality of life, uh, one's liberties, and the equal protection under the law because of third-party interest in maximizing profits. And so what we need the federal government to do is to evolve with the technology and to ensure that guardrails are put up, that the, uh, these platforms are not utilized to further create divide and isolate opportunities for African-American communities or all citizens. Can you imagine the concept of a laborless workforce? That That is right. possible. What does that mean in a society where we already struggle to create a safety net for the most vulnerable? What does that mean when individuals have no place to work? How would they survive? Policymakers need to keep that in mind because as it will provide more convenience on one side, it could disrupt and displace whole segments of our society on the other side. Well, I know you participated earlier this week in um, this AI forum that Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer hosted. Did you go into that with specific asks for the Senate as they look to regulate AI? Well, the ask was to make sure that there are regulations in place. We need guardrails. No industry should allow to be the dominant industry or a sub-industry without the necessary federal protections for the citizens. Uh, that's absolutely cru crucial for African-Americans is, is making sure that we are protected in terms of the lack of access and equity. But for the broader society, what would AI mean to this democracy looking into the future? What would happen when all of the intellectual property that we rely on people for is now transferred to machines in ways in which people can no longer dictate or control. What happens if there is no workforce because technology has substituted all of the individuals who previously performed certain duties? What will people do? What are the protections? What, what safety nets are in place? Those are the things that I raised up, but those are the things that we as a society must be concerned about because it will have uh, a dual impact. It will provide more conveniences while at the exact same time, the disruption and displacement need to be accounted for when it hit all, all communities. We'll be right back. The Biden administration is moving forward with a slew of new regulations that put products like semiconductors, electric vehicles, modern healthcare technology, and clean energy at risk. Chemistry is essential to our modern lives, creating products to help foster a more sustainable and competitive future. 
The Biden administration must change its course and work with manufacturers on science-based policies that protect American innovation. Learn more at chemistrycreates.org. You know, we, we talk a lot about this potential for AI to displace human workers, you know, at large, but the effects of that won't be equitable, won't be across the board necessarily. So I, I, I'd be curious from your vantage point, are there unique kind of considerations for workers of color in particular? Well, absolutely. I think it is going to be absolutely crucial that there is data transparency, what data sets are being used. Uh, there needs to be ongoing auditing. There needs to be accountability when there are uh, biases found in AI systems so it can be corrected. Uh, even today, without AI, you think about the FBI gathering fingerprints of those who have been accused of committing a crime. Those fingerprints are kept in the database. But what is not done after the fact is whether or not those individuals were ultimately exonerated, charges dropped, or found guilty. That data set is still there as if they have committed a crime, although they've been accused of committing a crime. That data set is then used when someone applies for a job and have to get a background check. Their name, Ping, and they could have been exonerated, but the biases that that data set creates could cause harm. You accelerate that into an AI reality, then the AI technology will see anyone who's uh, been accused of a crime now targeted for whatever reasons. Because there's a disproportionate number of African Americans who are accused of a crime and not convicted of a crime, that will have a desperate impact. That's a, an example we want to use. Think about public housing and, and the installation of facial recognition cameras in public housings. A, a disproportionate impact because if you are talking about individuals who are in public houses, whether it's African Americans or low-wealth communities, then you have a database of individual faces that if something happened, AI technology would disproportionately target those individuals as opposed to other individuals who may not uh, be in areas where there are a high density of facial recognition cameras. Very interesting points. And I mean, the in addition to the, those examples you just gave, there's obviously many documented incidences of facial recognition being used in law enforcement, for instance, and misidentifying people of color, particularly black people, because the, you know, the technology is just not trained on on sufficient data to to effectively identify faces with darker complexion. So there, there's a lot of instances where bias and discrimination potentially come into play with AI. I'm curious in the these conversations that, you know, for instance, you have with the Senate or with lawmakers, there are also a lot of big tech names that have been sort of invited to the table, folks like Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk, you know, people with not only large voices and personalities, but also heavy financial stakes in the AI game, if you will. I wonder, are you concerned at all with sort of those voices drowning out folks from the advocacy world like yourself? Well, there needs to be equity at this planning table. We have to look at this holistically. We have a national interest we have to protect. We have a public sector interest we must protect. We have a private sector interest that needs to be held accountable. You have advocacy voices like ours that want to ensure there's equity in the conversation. This is something we need to approach in a holistic way and not piecemeal. So I think it's important for those voices to be at the table. And I think it's critically important that Congress recognize the need to protect the people over profits while we also support innovations. And it's a balancing act. 
How much of the solution to that does need to come from the companies themselves? You know, I'm I'm, I'm sure the NAACP engages directly with with these companies on on these issues. How much responsibility, I guess, do they bear for making sure that AI is developed and deployed in an equitable way? Let's be clear. Over the last 40 years, uh, technology companies have demonstrated that they are not able to course correct market behavior. Uh, too much of what they do is driven by profit margins, and very little of it is about people. And so without uh, intervening entity like the federal government and local governments with guardrails in place to, to protect individuals, I'd have little confidence that corporations uh, will put the necessary guardrails in place holistically. Now, you will have individuals and some companies, but if they're publicly traded, they have one responsibility, and that's to maximize uh a value for shareholders. And so it is not their business interest to do that unless they make it a part of their business interest. And many corporations are not seeking to make it a part of business interest because they're seeking to maximize profit. I was going to ask whether you trust companies to handle this appropriately. I'm going to guess that that answer is probably no. I trust that companies must be held accountable to ensure that the citizens of this country and people in general are protected. Guardrails must be put up. And if there are no guardrails, we have seen time and time again in the technology industry and but and for that matter, in all industries, that profits will always supersede the people's interests. Well, let me um, close out with this question. I wonder, in all these conversations you're now having around AI these days, the deployment of it, what's not being talked about enough? The gap in developing trained individuals in middle America and African-American communities and poor white communities, uh, which what we are seeing is much of this development is uh, happening on the coastline. Many people are being imported from other countries because of their intellectual capacities. And there's not enough investment in, in our young people. I think about Seattle. Seattle has a public school district. There's very little investment that's aggressive enough to build out the young minds that we need who are critical thinkers and skilled to fill the void you have in that busting community. That's a community with major Fortune 500 tech companies that's right there. And as opposed to do deep investment in that public school districts, uh, many people are being imported from other countries. That's not a sustainable model if you want to really invest in our in our people. I did think of one other question, actually, if you'll, if you'll indulge me. Um, and that's just, you know, if the history of civil rights and movement and, and progress in this country, so much of it is driven by coalition building, I think. Um, and I wonder, as you look to the AI issue, who are your allies kind of in that fight? What coalitions can be built to sort of, you know, address some of these issues that you've identified here? Well, many individuals and organized labor, they're beginning to see the impact this could have on their members and workers. We find people in the LGBTIQIA community recognizing that how the data set is presented could cause a disparate impact on their communities. We're finding the Latino, the Jewish community. Uh, many communities recognize the potential harms and the opportunities. And so as we built out a campaign leading up to the 2020 election called Stop Hate for Profit, recognizing that social media platforms were, was allowing algorithms to to display hate speech, recruit and radicalize individuals. Uh, that was a coalition approach. 
Now, this also must be a coalitional approach because it's just not the African-American community that's going to be impacted. It's all of Americans. And I hope at some point we can get past the tool of race to divide us and look at what's in the common good to support a quality of life that we all should be guaranteed to have. Listen, thank you so much for joining us today on Politico Tech. Thank you. That's all for today's Politico Tech. For more tech news, subscribe to our newsletters, Digital Future Daily and Morning Tech. Music in today's episode comes from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Our senior producer is Annie Reese. Our editors are Steve Heuser, Daniela Cheslow, and Louisa Savage. I'm Stephen Overly. I'll see you back here tomorrow.